Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Floodcast. Today is day 131 of our Bible in Year challenge, and we are continuing on our journey, taking readings from the books of 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, and also praying along with Psalms. So let's dive right in. Yesterday, we were looking at this horrific story um, within David's family, where Amnon rapes his half-sister Tamar, and Absalom kills Amnon in revenge, and Absalom flees away because he's scared because he killed his brother, and now he is in exile. So in today's readings, we're continuing from that, where Joab, um, who is David's nephew, the hard guy, pretty much the commander army guy, um, notices that David longs for Absalom. David um, misses him. And another way we can look at this is that Joab is a widely experienced guy in terms of politics and fighting and battles. And he knows that Absalom being away from David, being away from the family, being in exile for such a long time could cause a huge problem. So this is how it goes. Absalom was described in today's readings as this handsome man who had no blemish, no stain or bruises from top to bottom. And Absalom being in exile away from his father David could cause a division. It could cause a revolt where Absalom would want to fight for David's throne and pretty much overthrow his father as king and it would be possible because first of all Absalom has the physical characteristics of what a king would look like if you could remember the story of King Saul where the bible described him as being taller than anybody in Israel and how people were just endeared to him because he looked the part so Absalom was pretty much that guy and also he had rightful claim to the throne being the son of King David so Absalom's exile could mean that there would be a premature end to David's reign and so Joab knows this and so he wants to bring Absalom back to David and he hires this woman who comes to David and presents this story it's just it's quite similar to the story that Nathan told King David when he sinned and he committed adultery and murder and presenting the story that represented what David had done and so this woman also comes up with a familiar story I'm saying that she has two sons one son killed the other and now the relatives want to kill the son that killed his brother, but she doesn't want him to be killed because in as much as he killed his brother, he's still the heir to whatever is left and she doesn't want to lose both her sons. And so David says, okay, he's going to offer protection for the remaining son and for this woman. And then the woman goes, well, if you're going to offer protection for my son and me, even though he killed his brother, how about you? And so she kind of uses that story to and capture David in his words but David is wise he kind of figures out that okay somebody put this one to it because this cannot just be a coincidence and so he asks her and she um she says yes she admits that Joab hired her to tell 
David this story. Anyways, David realizes that Joab means well, and he wants to reconcile him back to his son Absalom. And so David um, asks that Absalom be brought back to Jerusalem. But we see that this isn't a full um, repentant prodigal son type of scenario because David is still angry. And then he says, okay, Absalom can come to Jerusalem, but he cannot come before his presence. And so Absalom leaves Gershom and comes to Jerusalem and stays there for two whole years without ever seeing his father. Anyways, at the end of the day, um, Joab still finds a way to bring Absalom back to David because Absalom just finds it extremely hard living in the same city with his father for two whole years and still haven't um, had the privilege of seeing him face to face. And so Absalom, <laughs> Absalom for me is just this kind of do it immediately guy. He, 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 he gets what he wants type of thing. He revenged his sister's um, dishonor. And now he sends for Joab. Okay, so after he comes to Jerusalem, he doesn't see his father David for two whole years. And then he sends for Joab because he wants to have a meeting with his father and Joab refuses to come. So what does Absalom do? He sends his servants to burn Joab's fields. And so when Joab hears of this, of course, he's coming, running to Absalom, asking why he burns his fields. And then Absalom tells him, well, I sent for you earlier, but you didn't come. So I had to burn your field. And now here you are. So anyways, he later on gets to meet his father, David, at the end of the readings in Second Samuels. But I don't know about you, but when I was reading this, I just felt like there, were, there was a lack of emotion. So Absalom meets David, he bows, and David kisses him. And that's all. There is, there is no real father-son um repentant scenario if you get what i mean like the prodigal son you know there was just that whole welcoming there was even a party thrown for the guy but in this case it's just um a way of should i say tolerance they're just trying to tolerate each other despite the fact that absalom yearns for his father and his father in turn misses him and why is this so first of all i feel like absalom did not truly repent because he probably felt he did the right thing he felt like i mean I, I'm not a bad guy. I didn't do anything wrong. Somebody raped my sister. If nobody did anything about it, I had to do something about it. And so he didn't feel like he did something wrong by killing his brother, which is very questionable. Not that I'm saying that what Amnon did is right. Of course, it's not right. Of course, it's wrong on all levels. But what Absalom also did wasn't right either. I think sometimes we might find ourselves in this scenario where what we did, what we um, did wrong or the choices we make in retaliation to what other people did to us makes us feel like we we didn't sin makes us feel like we shouldn't be the ones repenting makes us feel like there is really nothing to repent about because we're just um defending ourselves we're just um, giving a response to what other people did to us but the truth is that sin is sin yes sometimes you might want to do that too um, protect yourself or protect others but sin is sin and we have to come to the realization that sin hurts us sin hurt jesus and so in order to be free from the bondage of sin and the consequences that would follow with that we have to truly repent and david on the other hand didn't fully forgive Absalom for what he did probably because he knew that Absalom was not repentant Absalom was not sorry for what he had done if, he, if, if given the chance he would have probably done it over and over again 
as I will see this half-hearted forgiveness from David. And this is one of the flaws of David. I mean, David has always been very forgiven, um, forgiven Saul, all of the wrongs that was done against him, forgiven the family of Saul. But in this case, it's kind of a half-hearted forgiveness. Although we can't say that that just this is what makes David a bad or a terrible father, but it is one flaw that we can note. And it is also a difference between King David and Jesus, who is the eternal king, because Jesus being king, being powerful, is also full of mercy and love. Jesus, unlike David, doesn't offer a half-hearted forgiveness, regardless of how far we've gone. Jesus offers full forgiveness for all of your sins, for all of your wrongdoings, for all of your faults. But the thing is that when we come to Jesus asking for forgiveness, what is the state of our heart? What is the thoughts in our minds? There's this thing that is always being announced. I don't know if you guys noticed, but when you go to church, you're about to receive the Holy Communion. There is this announcement that is always made. It said that, okay, the Holy Communion is not just for anybody. It's for only practicing Catholics. Right? And it's not just for all practicing Catholics. It's for practicing Catholics that are in a state of grace. And what does it mean to be in a state of grace? It means to have purified your heart through humble repentance. And repentance is all about acknowledging your sins. It's all about understanding the consequences of those actions, of those faults and wrongdoings. It's also about fully knowing who is bearing those punishments and those consequences of your actions. And it is coming to God with a humble and a contrite heart, fully knowing, fully um, deciding, making a firm decision not to go back to those sins anymore. And that is what full repentance is all about. And that is the only way, that is the only state our hearts can be if we are to fully receive the mercy that God gives. And so when we come to God for mercy, we have, sometimes it might be very hard, especially when the things you did is just in retaliation to what other people did against you. You know, sometimes you might be, you might just make that decision. Okay, today I'm not going to let anybody walk over me. I'm not going to be used by other people anymore. I'm going to give it to people as they deserve. And so when you come in prayer and you're asking God for forgiveness, you don't you don't see the need to include that because in your mind, by your own standards, you, you didn't do anything wrong. But that doesn't take away from the fact that anytime we decide to obey ourselves, to do things our way, rather than the way God wants it to be done, we have sin. And not repenting, choosing, or not seeing the wrong in what you have done cannot earn you forgiveness. It's part of the Our Father. It's part of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. He said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. As, meaning, if I do not forgive somebody, then I am directly judging myself and asking God not to forgive me. Or if I forgive somebody partially, I am directly asking God to forgive my sins partially. And so we recognize that this is not something that we can do by our own strength. It is hard enough to 
acknowledge the sins that you do consciously and knowingly, but it is even harder to acknowledge the sins that you've done in retaliation to the wrong that others have done against you. And so we come to God today and we ask for his grace to be fully repentant, to have a humble and a contrite heart, to hate everything that has to do with sin, whether it is consciously or unconsciously, directly or indirectly. We ask God to give us his grace, that we come to his throne of mercy with a humble and a contrite heart, and we fully open ourselves to receiving his love and his forgiveness. Because Jesus is not like King David. Jesus is not like King Saul. Jesus will not be like King Solomon. Jesus is the complete fulfillment of the eternal and the true king. And so we are rest assured that when we come to him for mercy, we will definitely receive it. And so it is on this note that I end today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Anyways, we're going to be seeing tomorrow that the situation gets a lot more chaotic and man we are <laughs> going to be unraveling the full extent of the consequences of sin anyways with that i hope that you have a firm resolve not to go back to your sins or your wrongdoings and to come to god in a state of grace thank you so much for listening once again i hope that you do share this episode i hope that you subscribe if you have not done so yet i hope that you leave a review if god puts it in your heart to do so and i'll see you guys in the next episode tomorrow, same time, same place, have an amazing day.